over 80% of the people around don't enjoy their work. Get a good education, stable job, and raise a family. I slept on a futon until I was 36. I don't regret any of it. I just want to have some type of impact, no matter what it was. What's going on, folks? My name is Alex, and you're listening to the 99 Career Options Podcast. Did you know that according to studies conducted on fear, public speaking is the one thing that's at the very top of the list? The studies show that people are literally more scared of talking in front of others than actually dying. However, just like any other fear, it can be overcome. Our today's guest, Olivia Schofield, is an expert at giving public speeches and was placed as the top woman in the World Championship of Public Speaking in Las Vegas in 2011 out of more than 30,000 contestants. As you'll hear in the interview, Olivia's journey to become such an excellent speaker was not exactly a bed of roses. It was through hard work and dedication that she managed to excel and become such a prominent person. She had had many jobs previously, ranging from cleaning toilets to working at the British Broadcasting Corporation or the BBC in short, behind the camera, before finally one day deciding to become a master of public speaking. Today, she works as a professional speaker and trains other people such as leaders, CEOs, and executives all over the world and helps them give inspiring and effective speeches. Her story is unique and passionate. And during this interview, she'll give a lot of great advice and share her stories that can help you become a better speaker. So I highly suggest that you bring a pen and piece of paper so that you can take some notes on her way. Without delay, let's go ahead and jump to the interview. Here's your host. Callan Fabry with guest Olivia Schofield. Enjoy. Hello, Olivia. Hello. Welcome to 99 Career Options Podcast. Thanks for inviting me to come along. Thank you for taking the time to talk about your work and your career path and to inspire our listeners. Uh, It's something very close to my heart because I also had great difficulty deciding what I wanted to do in life. Mm, I think we we all have that, even if we want to admit it or not. Can you tell us in one or two sentences, what do you do? Yeah, I am a professional speaker and I train other people, leaders, CEOs, executives to also speak to inspire rather than speak to inform. So I go, I fly into a company in whatever country I work sometimes one-on-one or sometimes with small groups, sometimes with a larger group, helping them to inspire people to get the best out of their teams, out of uh, if they're speaking at a conference. And and, and so I, I specialize in delivery, but also content. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you help them? Well, they come to me with a very boring speech normally, that is absolutely all about informing someone about something. Mm-hmm. So it's information driven, it's dry, it's dull, and everybody falls asleep during it. And my job is to try to get them to understand why their speech should not inform, but their speech should ignite emotion and ignite feeling in the people that are listening to them speak. If they ignite emotion and feeling, they'll get their people that work for them to be passionate, to be inspired, to be devoted uh, and to be loyal and to work hard and to get good results and to be happy. And that is far more important than boring people with a very dull, informative speech. (laughs) Um, So uh, what would be the strategy and the tactics in doing that? How do I go? How do I approach it? Yeah. 
So I turn up, say if I'm, if I'm working one-on-one with an executive, mm-hmm. I turn up and I ask them to tell me what they've got in mind for their speech and they explain, I've got to give a speech at this massive conference, there'll be 2,000 people in the audience, it's a specialist conference, or they say, I've got to speak to my internal team, there's about 20 people, and I want to tell them that we did well last year, but we need to do better next year. So I asked them to tell me, what is the message you want to convey? What do you want the people to think, feel, do after they've heard you speak? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how are we going to get them to think the right things, feel the right things, and do the right things, whatever they are, depending on what you're trying to achieve, after they've heard you speak? So we first of all talk about what what is the point of this speech, why they're speaking, and what effect they want to have. And then we think about the content that they've got and we ask, well, does that content um, fit that brief? Will it make them feel like that? Will it make them want to do that? And normally the answer is uh, no, it won't <laughs> because it's dull. And so then I ask them, well, tell me some experiences you've had with your company that work for you. Tell me about the way that your company works. Tell me why you started this company, why you came to this job, what you loved about it, what you hated about it, what were the challenges, what were the and then I get them to tell me a little bit of a story and I make notes and then I say, this is the angle we're going to go for. That's interesting. Tell me more about that. And then they tell me more about that and they say, but no one's interested in listening to that. And I say, <laughs> You're wrong. They're really interested in that. Let's open. And then I suggest how we could open with a story. And I get him to think of a strong opening line and a dynamic story that involves his personal journey or her personal journey to where they are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And so we start off by getting his listeners to listen to him, to be interested in, in the story he or she um, is speaking. I, I work a lot with women. Uh, mm-hmm. Though I'm he, I do work a lot with women leaders. Uh, and then we, we try to say, okay, then where, where, where's the information going to be fitting in? What do we want them to know? And then how are we going to end it so they leave in an elevated sense of excitement? Mm-hmm. So how long does the process take? Yeah. Um, I, I, for instance, I work with a woman who is a CEO of a company in Belgium. And I work with her once a quarter. She Every quarter she speaks to her company mm-hmm. and she makes a 25-minute speech. And we work together for six hours on that. Wow. Yeah. And well, she realizes the importance of working hard on a speech because it sets the work environment and feeling and emotion in the company for the next three months. I definitely think is very important because we we know that that humans are are uh, the driver is based on emotion, not on information. And if your speech doesn't doesn't ignite the emotion that you're talking about, no one will work motivated uh, or or have the same vision as you have. Exactly. Do you have a team or do you work alone? In general, I work alone. So you've got to be pretty disciplined because. I have to run my whole company because I have to book my flights, find my jobs, write my material, uh, yeah, book my hotels, fly out to God knows where I'm going and uh, teach the course and then, you know, everything. You've got to do your, your Facebook page, your LinkedIn profile, your websites, 
and the content and everything. So you've really got to be pretty self-motivated and structured. What What is your favorite workshop that you teach? The one that you see that has the, the most impact? Yeah, I teach a workshop called Energy. Energy. And energy is really about whatever you do in life, do it 100%. And before we started this program, I was telling you that I've done many, many jobs in my life, even cleaning toilets uh, for people uh, at some point in my life. But no one cleaned a toilet as well as I did. <laughs> I cleaned it with 100% of my energy and commitment. It was going to be the cleanest and best clean toilet. So it's an attitude. And I think the people that get on in life, whatever it is you do, if you have the attitude of putting 100% in, you will get a lot out of it. Where if you just go somewhere and do a half-hearted job, it's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym and half work out, you're never going to change your body. If you go to the gym and really focus on pushing your boundaries 100%, bit by bit, you will change your body. So... Whatever mm -hmm. it is that you do, a hundred percent focus is crucial. So, how does someone uh, get from cleaning toilets to international experience and uh, an international uh, keynote speaker and executive coach? Well, for me, my journey began with an organization called Toastmasters, which is actually where you and I met. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Toastmasters is an international speaking organization, basically for people that can't. And I joined that organization um, and I joined it in Germany, in Berlin, because really I was a little bit lonely and it was in English and I wanted to meet people. Mm -hmm. And I had no intention of really becoming a speaker. And I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with speaking. I found that I had some talents for it that were natural. And I found that I had some talents for it that I picked up through my life, cleaning toilets being one of them. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and from this organization, they ran a speech competition mm -hmm. called the World Championship of Public Speaking, which I sort of had my arm twisted to enter this competition, not really having any idea how big it was. And um, in the end, I ended up in the finals of the World Championship of Public Speaking in Las Vegas. And through that, I got a little bit of fame. And through that fame, I got a little bit of a reputation. And and I just that was the beginning of starting off. Wow. So what what steps should someone take to become a good public speaker? The journey of a great speaker is a journey inward. So, yes, you need good body language, good posture, good vocal skills, excellent training and pausing, which you can get from somewhere like Toastmasters, which is a very cheap organization to join. But bear in mind that you need public speaking for every single job in life, because if you can speak to persuade and speak to inspire, even if you are a chemist, an engineer, a pilot, a cleaner or whatever, you will get allegiance and you will get a great team, a happy team working for you. So being a great speaker is something that's not just a job in itself, but every job has this element in it. Mm -hmm. So anybody that's thinking of any career should do public speaking and should join an organization like Toastmasters. But, I mean, for me, I had trained as a dancer and I had done some acting uh, training. 
And uh, I wasn't that good as a dancer and I wasn't that good as an actor. But all those skills are very useful to me now as a public speaker. But I think the most useful lesson is that I have failed in many, many different ways in life. And it is that failure that gives me the stories in life, the stories that I have, that I use in my speeches and how I help other people find their stories about their failures that bring us close to an audience. So it used to be that a leader would pretend they were an expert at everything. Nowadays, the real leaders are the ones that say, I'm not an expert at everything. I don't know everything. That's why we're going to. And I look to you for your advice and help. And then they make themselves vulnerable and open and honest, and they don't try to be something they're not. So looking to honesty inside yourself, you know, I have a damage inside me from rejection, from boys and (laughs) rejection from being with the best looking people at the school, being in the in crowd. I have, you know, uh, rejection from not feeling loved by my parents. I used to steal as a child and I got caught by the police. Uh, I've had, you know, I'm, I've had a, a very difficult life, I feel. It's been a, not easy. I've n- never felt that I fitted in. I always felt like an outcast and a misfit and I was never happy with who I was. And the journey towards finding the beauty in myself and sort of loving myself and taking care of myself rather than beating myself up was part of this journey to becoming a great speaker. Because wisdom is very important and self-honesty and authenticity are crucial elements to being a great speaker. What are the stories that you most often share? Well, the story that I most often share is that when I was growing up, I had a speech impediment where I couldn't pronounce my R's and I sounded really, really silly. And I got (laughs) teased and bullied. I got teased and bullied at school. And when I was teased and bullied at school, I'd go home to my teddy bears and my teddy bears would love me. And when when my friends didn't love me because they teased me and my parents didn't understand me and my brother and sister used to hit me or whatever were horrible to me, my bears were always there for me. And so my bears took on a huge significance in my life. And this story I told at the World Championship of how my relationship with bears helped me to cure my speech impediment And uh, at the age of 25, I went and got rid of my, I went to a speech therapist for a couple of years and I managed to get rid of my speech problem. Well, it sometimes comes out when I'm tired and stressed, but often it's not there anymore. But I say that the damage that was done to how I felt about myself was always there. And I always felt that I was inferior to other people. And this caused me major problems throughout my life. I joined the BBC. I worked in television for about eight years, but I always felt that I wasn't as good as other people. 
and I tried to be like other people. I tried to fit in, but I, I, it wasn't, I never felt comfortable. And what I realized was that I was trying to look out at what other people were doing and trying to do the same rather than look into myself and say, actually, you know what? I'm a good person. I, I'm a nice person. And just because there's some things in my life that haven't gone right, it doesn't make me a failure. My failings that I've had in life don't make me a failure. And so I think when I started to realize that I wasn't a failure, just I had failed at many things in life, I started to feel stronger. And when I started to feel stronger, I started to like myself more. When I started to like myself more, I started to be more successful. So I think my message to your listeners out there is if they're sitting there thinking, I'm not quite sure if a speaking career is for me, is to remember that speaking is something we do in every job. And a great speaker who inspires their team in the world is someone that's not afraid to stand up and say, I've made mistakes, but I'm, you know, I love myself anyway. And I know you may have made mistakes, but together we'll make it happen. And that sort of a leader is the sort of leader that we're looking for. So I teach people, I teach leaders to have the strength to admit their failures to their teams and to allow their teams to also be failures. Because if you don't take risk, you won't have failures. Mm-hmm. So do you want to have a life where you never take a risk? Do you always want to play it safe? You seem very confident right now. Um, when was the turning point? Like when was the turning point when, when, when you stopped doubting yourself and you started becoming more confident? I think this is a really good question because, you know, I spoke about growing up as a kid and you feel that you're not in the in crowd and maybe you got spots or you haven't got a six pack or you haven't, we, we compare ourselves to our peers all the time, all the people around us. Mm-hmm. And we don't see the things that we have that are better than other people, that we maybe have a lively personality or lots of energy or beautiful eyes. or We don't see those things about ourselves, the good things. We only see the bad things. We only see the things where other people are better than us. Mm-hmm. And we go through our life like this, and this hammers us down somehow. And we feel insecure or inferior or we feel like a fake or, you know, and all this stuff. And this goes on through life. It doesn't stop. It goes on through university. It goes on through the workplace. I mean, in TBC, it went on and on and on. It only stopped when I started to get affirmation of being good at what I did. So when I started speaking, and this was in my 40s, right, uh, only when people started to say, your speech touched me, your words moved me, I look at this differently now, I love the way you did this. And suddenly I felt people were telling me I was good at something. Mm -hmm. When I was younger and I trained as a dancer, my dance teachers always tell me that I was doing everything wrong. I'd go to auditions and I wouldn't get the job and I'd be rejected all the time. Um, eventually, through speaking, I started to get people telling me that I was quite good at something and I started to realize that actually I seem to be 
good at something at last. <laughs> What what are the job prospects for someone that wants to choose a career in public speaking? Well, if I'm honest, a lot of people want to follow this profession because it's a pretty good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get paid a lot of money and you travel the world and you're mm-hmm. not working all the time. Uh so you can have weeks like this August I haven't had any work in August. and December I've got no work so I could go away for a month if I wanted to um as long as I've got my laptop with me I can work from anywhere in the world I've got a job in Portugal on the 5th of September and I'm yes. going a week early I'm going yes. a week early I'm doing a week's holiday and then I shall just stay for two days work on my laptop and then do the job and then come home So you the great thing about it is you can work all over the world and as long as you've got your laptop with you you can you've got your mobile office with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can be anywhere in the world. So I tend to travel a huge amount. But um that means that a lot of people want to do this job. Not everybody's good at it. They think they are. Um they think they can just learn it, but it's also about having life experience. So I don't know if it's a job to go into straight away um when you leave school because you have to have life experience to a certain degree to do this job mhm mhm uh, so going out there and getting life experience even if it's backpacking in Nepal is life experience you know i'm not talking about just experience in the workplace mm-hmm. and many of my colleagues I mean I come from a theatre background and that's my experience but John Zimmer who I'm working with in Portugal he is a lawyer at the World Health Organization and he um has become a speaker uh, my friend uh, Florian worked for KPMG uh, in business uh, marketing and he has become uh, a speaker so really you can come from any background but um to having good life experience and um a genuine a, a, a desire to connect and communicate with people is is a strong plus to have mm-hmm. so I think having it's a com- that, having said that I do have a first class honors degree in communication studies but that I have not used one bit in this job no Which career path would you choose if you'd be 18 years old again and you wouldn't be allowed to choose this path? Well, when I was 18 years old, I wanted to be a dancer. Yeah, that was what I wanted to be and I went to dance college, one of the best in Europe actually, and I studied dance for 4 years. For me, that dance training taught me discipline. We mm. had to be at dance classes at 8 in the morning if it was 2 seconds past 8. the ballet master would not let us in if our ballet shoes were not tied correctly it was like a boot camp they were horrible to us and it was really really hard and a lot of the girls and boys in the dance school were quite depressed but what it did teach me was massive discipline and it taught me a strong pain threshold a little bit like joining the army or mm-hmm. doing bodybuilding or something like that so These skills were absolutely useful for my whole life because it made me work 100% at whatever it is I wanted to do. Mhm. 
Um, what if I was to start life again and I couldn't be a dancer and I couldn't be a speaker? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we're almost finishing up. Just a couple of questions more. Um, if you could choose three books as a mandatory read for all high school college students, which books would you choose? Uh, gosh, I wish you told me this beforehand. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> one of the books that is called Words Like Loaded Pistols. Words Like Loaded Pistols. Yeah. Now, you'll have to look up the author of that book because I haven't got it at my fingertips. But this book is about rhetorics and writing. And being a good writer is absolutely a crucial skill to being a good speaker. Mm -hmm. And writing, I always was, I thought I was rubbish at writing until I started writing every day. And after a year of writing for like an hour and a half every day, I got really, really good at writing. And this is a key component to good speech writing. So I help people write their speeches. And this book, Words Like Loaded Pistols, is a book that I came across and I was recommending it last week to one other uh, gentleman who's a world champion of public speaking, who's from Bulgaria, Prez. Mm -hmm. And he, he told me that he knows the book and he used it to prepare his speech. So words like loaded pistols. The guy who wrote it is a journalist for The Guardian, a newspaper. Uh, but he's got a real love of literature and a love of. And so I would definitely read that book. Well, thank you. I will have to read it as well. <laughs> Um, do you have any practices when you write? You just mentioned that you write one and a half hours. I also, like, I, I started to do morning pages just for half an hour. Um, or do you just journal? What type of I writing do you do? I just journal because, um, I, because just journaling when you know no one's going to read it, it doesn't matter what the quality of it's like. So mm -hmm. I write so that someone reads it. So in this instance, I had a writing buddy. And that writing buddy, if I'm perfectly honest, and I'm going to be perfectly honest, it was somebody that I quite liked. <laughs> it was a young man that I liked. Mm -hmm. And we wrote to each other about ourselves. We met once and we kept in contact by email. And I would write to him every day my thoughts or what was going on or something about my life or something about my journey, internal journey, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and every day he would write back. And I sort of pretended that I threw it together in 20 minutes. But actually, because I, I quite liked him, I wanted him to be impressed with me. So I would spend hours <laughs> 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 on writing uh, to him. And I've still got these stories, and often I'm using them to create stories that I'm using in speeches now because there's loads and loads of material there about my life, about my past, about my fears, about my upbringing and my relationship to my family, my mother and my sister. So really, really deep stuff. So my <laughs> advice is find someone you really care about and <laughs> share the deepest parts of your life with them uh, by email. That's a really good way to, to, to write every day. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 great advice. Um, can you 
can you recommend us some other resources that you check for your for your um, public spe um, public speaking skills or your creative process, like websites, blogs, podcasts? Yeah, one of the uh, blogs that I really really love is a blog called Brain Pickings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no. Now, Brain Pickings is actually a philosophical artistic a poetic look at various things it might be art it might be books it might be ideas it might be people and so it's not specific to speaking but it gives you a lot of food for thought for speech content mm -hmm. so i like that brain pickings um for actual uh tips on Uh, on public speaking in general, um, I really, really love Florian Mook, who you may know, yeah. a guy living in Barcelona, and he has a blog on his page, florianmook.com, mm -hmm. and you can subscribe and get that. And he writes at least once a week, and uh, some are long and some are short, but they're very, very insightful and very lively so i really really like his uh his posts particularly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, um what life lessons did you learn the hard way in general or in this career uh in general oh gosh the um Listen to learn the hard way. I uh, I'm not very good at loving myself. Um, I'm very hard on myself, and I'm hard on other people too. And um, I've had to fight my whole life, or have I? Or I felt I have had to fight my whole life. And so sometimes I find it very, very difficult to relax or to be soft and gentle with myself and with others. And that includes with my kids or with my relationships or with my friends. So a life lesson that I'm still learning is to sometimes it's okay not to be in dance boot camp. Sometimes it's okay not to be the absolute best. And sometimes it's okay to sit in my hammock all day reading a novel or watching a TV series on Netflix. I'm mm -hmm. not very good at doing those things. I'm a bit of a workaholic. And today I was on my in my hammock for five minutes before going to the gym to bust my ass at the gym. And <laughs> I picked up uh, a book called The Four-Hour Working Week. Do you know yeah. that book? Yeah, it's Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And uh, I was reading it and he basically was saying, would you like to have the sort of lifestyle where you travel the world, work from anywhere as long as you've got your laptop and only work four hours a week? And I thought, wow, yes, <laughs> I would. And I thought to myself, my life isn't too, it's not exactly like that, but my life is, I travel the world. I can work anywhere that my laptop is, but I work like 60 hours a week. <laughs> and How could I how could I change that? And basically what he's saying in the book is there are rules that are written for us. You should go if you work hard and slave in a job nine to five, 
well, longer than nine to five, you will eventually climb the ladder. But maybe your verve for life will have been crushed and killed. And I feel a little bit like that. I followed all the rules. I did work hard in standard jobs where I had standard bosses. It was that I had so much more to offer and to be an entrepreneur earlier would have been so much more suited to my personality. I'm a rebel. I hate authority. I hate hierarchy and I speak my mind and uh, it doesn't really fit in in the corporate world. And so I'm now trying to change the corporate world to, <laughs> uh, by coaching them to be different and to, and you can see this also. I have a TED talk. It's called, uh, the alien in my womb. Uh, if you look up my name, Olivia Schofield TEDx, you'll find it. And the talk is all about not doing what we should do. So mm -hmm. my lesson. This goes back to what is the lesson in life? Don't do what you think you should do. Rewrite we, we all rules immediately. <laughs> and, uh, and looking at, and reading the Tim Ferriss book this morning, The Four Hour Working Week, I realized that I have partly done that. I work for myself. I can live all over the world as long as I've got my laptop. But I, I'm not extravagant. I've had a very hard life. And... Uh, and so I've not spent a lot of money on things. I don't spend money easily. I can spend money on other people, but I'm not very good at spending it on me. So I don't do extravagant holidays and things like this. And I just think, oh, my goodness, you know, I mean, I'm in my early 50s now. And if I don't do it now, go on holiday, go and learn to tango, go to Havana, <laughs> go, go climb Machu Picchu, go to Nepal cycling, go to the Great Wall of China. If I don't do it now, when will I do it? Yeah. So life is not ahead of me. Life is here now. And I really envy those people that know how to live life and enjoy life fully. And I'm still learning to do that. Well, I, I think even though maybe the, that you're still learning to do that, I have no doubt that you are inspire, that you inspire thousands of others to do that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, what advice would you give to your 18 years old self? My advice would be, do not compare yourself with other people. Wonderful. That would be uh, one thing. The second thing would be, look at the things you're good at, make a list of them and look at them every day. Some people call this affirmations. Um, it's, it's a technique where every morning you wake up, and first you say what you're grateful for. I'm grateful that I'm healthy and my ha ha arms and legs work and I'm strong. I'm grateful that I'm, uh, I, I live in a good country. I'm grateful that I have enough to eat, you know, all these things. And then the second thing you do is you say, uh, I'm an, I'm a, I'm a gentle person. I'm a nice person. I'm a strong person. I'm a dedicated. So you say to yourself all the things about you that are good. And the thing is, in our societies, we get confused between being arrogant, which is not a good trait, but also appreciating being strong minded and appreciating the good things that we have about ourselves. So it's getting the balance between not being arrogant, but still appreciating what we can do well. So that would be my advice to my 18 year old self. 
Wonderful. And just to to um, to say something about what you said right now, it's just in in our society, it's so normal to tell to ourselves that we're not good enough. Like it's it's so normal. Like almost yeah. everyone has it. We're not good enough. But it's so preposterous to say I love myself. I I am beautiful. I am strong. So if you if you are if you write that down, I'm strong. I'm beautiful. I it it almost feels like oh my god i shouldn't say that but it's totally normal that oh i'm not good enough so i think it's a little bit unbalanced the way you know almost we were programmed by 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 corporation to think so um but also I, my parents yeah who i mean my parents used to say to me be quiet i'm talking to someone else look um, just can you go away i'm busy or um you know, who do you think you are speaking? You know, so without realizing it, our culture demeans children quite early on. They don't mm -hmm, get. Mm -hmm. And so they feel inferior to their parents or they're not important enough or as important. And so I think this has got to be undone. But I think it's a bit stupid. And I can imagine the people listening to this program, if they said, I'm not going to sit there and say, I'm beautiful. No, but you could say I was there for my friend this week when she needed me. And that's a really nice thing to be able to do for somebody. I'm proud of myself that I did that. I helped someone with a, their homework this week because I knew a little bit more about it than they did. And I made the time for them. And that was a really lovely thing that I did. Or I look in the mirror and I see that I'm getting old, but I've still got beautiful blue eyes and... I'm, I'm thankful for that. So it's specific things, not just going, I'm beautiful, I'm wonderful, I'm wise, because that means nothing. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got it. Well, thank you so much for the, for the kind words and, and thank you so much for sharing, uh, such a personal information and you are so genuine and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much, Olivia. You're very welcome. All right. You've come to the end of this episode, but don't worry. More episodes are on the way. Is there a job position that you want to know more about? Then don't hesitate to let us know. After all, that's why we're here. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It doesn't take more than two minutes, and it really means a lot to us to know that you enjoy listening. Also, remember that on a 99 Corruptions website, you can always find interviews with people of different professions, and all the interviews are, of course, entirely free. You can also request a Q&S session, which is a great way to personally get a chance to ask questions to people who are already working in a field that you are interested in or want to learn more about. If you want to support us even more, we would love it if you can check out our Patreon page. By supporting us, you're not only helping us and making it possible for us to keep this show alive, but you're also supporting education on a global level and help bring opportunities in developing countries because a part of our profit will go to charity to work towards that. That's it for this time. Have a great day and see you next time.